Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down everything in District 4, week in, week out in the state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Bainey, and now we are joined by our District 4 expert, the man who just wants to be loved, Scott Burton. Hello. How are we doing, Brandon? Good. Doing real good. Uh, I see you are wearing, so again, audio version of this podcast at idahosports.com and wherever you download your podcasts. Mm -hmm. Video version, if you want to see what Scott and I are up to or what we look like. Scott, you're front running. Is that a Georgia Bulldogs? Yes, it is. Yeah, Georgia football. Um, Every Wednesday here, it's uh, college day. So we get to wear, you know, anything that represents college. And I've got an array of college football shirts from, I mean, George is one of my, my favorites. I mean, hate to be an SEC guy, but uh, I, I do enjoy Georgia. Always have been a big fan. Uh, I've got Tennessee. I wore them last week. Um, of course, huge Coach K fan. So I've got my Duke shirts all lined up. Um, used to be a, uh, well, still am kind of a University of Texas Longhorn fan since uh, Major Applewhite days back in the day. You know, so I'm a, I'm a college shirt guy. So I have an, an array of those. So when they announced that this year, that uh, Wednesdays are going to be college days, holy crap. I looked at a whole drawer full of stuff that said, you have not been worn in a long time. Every Wednesday. Was that your idea to do the college Wednesday? Uh, I wish I could take credit for it, but I can't. But I was certainly on board. I was an advocate. And uh, it passed. And uh, our superintendent said, yeah, that's a great idea. Because, you know, to promote, you know, kids going to college and just to see different stuff uh is pretty cool definitely i mean and that's what we're all about here at idahosports.com and and uh the magic valley Prepcast each week is shining the spotlight on these these high school student athletes that uh you know some go on to a great college career some just become regular students and i think it's uh, great to continue to shine that spotlight so um let's let's dive right into it let's do it we had a full week of action last week, and we'll start in football where the biggest story, like it is so many weeks it seems like, is the Camas County Mushers. You know, we had their athletic director, Mike McCann, on for an off-season interview, and he said, year of the musher in singular form? Why not multiple years of the musher? And he said, don't be surprised if it's the year of the musher again in yeah. 2022-23. And they start off with a dominant victory over a Rockland team that was ranked in the top five in the coaches and the media polls. Yeah. And, and the funny thing about this particular game was, you know, Rockland um, kind of brought back a sour taste in the, in the mouth of the musher since last season. Right. Because uh, in the first two minutes of last year, uh, Dawson Kramer coach's son, you know, tore his MCL, I mean, right out of the gate. And they just really never recovered from that. And then, according to Coach Kramer, Brockman just ran him off the field. And so, um, and that did not represent musher football that we saw later on in the season when they kind of got it together, right? Well, so here we go again, right? They uh, came out confident, but they bobbled the opening kickoff kind of buried themselves in their own territory, went three and out and had a punt blocked on the first possession and uh, at the 10 yard line. And it was six, nothing before, you know, the mushers could even blink. And it's like, Oh my gosh, here we go again. But Camus, 
they got it together and uh, went into the locker room up 22 to six uh, at the half. And then, you know, even had a couple of touchdowns called back in that first half and, uh, or it could have been a lot worse. And they ended up cruising to that 54 26 win. So a great opening victory for the year of the musher part. Deux. Yeah. I just, I'm continually amazed by what they're able to do. Uh, I guess I shouldn't be at this point. And they, I mean, they really piled up the, the statistics. Tristan Smith, is uh, kind of the new general leading this team. He threw for 115 yards and three touchdowns. He had 57 uh, yards on the ground, but really it was the Mushers' defense, right? They forced a lot of Rockland turnovers. They picked off three passes. They did. Um, the, the pressure that they were able to put on Rockland was the key. You know, you, Troy Smith, Tyson Tupper, they combined for 15 tackles and two interceptions at linebacker. You know, so they were controlling the middle of the field. Cody Smith and Trevor Twos. Um, they were on the corners. They were shutting down the receivers, and they ended up combining for nine tackles and two interceptions, you know, forced six turnovers. So, I mean, it was just one of those efforts by Camus that was dominant on both sides of the football, you know. So uh, good for them. Gave them a lot of confidence. The only negative thing about that win for Camus was their all-conference running back, Marcus Staley, um, broke his leg in the game. And so they're going to be without his services. And he had a kickoff run for a, he had a kickoff return for a touchdown. Um, and his speed and his, his big playability is, is going to be missed. So, you know, just like they started last year with a big injury, they're starting this year with one as well. Um, but if anything, you know, Camus has learned to overcome those things. And um, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be another good year for Camus football, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's devastating news to hear about Marcus Staley. He was such a great player um, and, and a good kid too. So uh, we certainly hope his, his recovery goes well. One, yes. one other, one other wrinkle to this Rockland Camas County rivalry that's developing. These two teams met for the state basketball championship in the winter as well. So a lot of these guys played yeah. on both sides in that championship game. It was a game where Rockland won it in the final 20 seconds on a pair of free throws and it could have really gone either way. So I know there was some, some resentment over how that basketball finish, uh, you know, ended up as well. So that also had to feel nice for the mushers. Yeah. You know, it's funny how those things transcend into the next season. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people that were lost to graduation on both sides from basketball to football, but there are enough commonalities and enough players there to remember. And these small schools like this, if you're playing football, there's a pretty dang good chance you're playing basketball too, you know? And so these are the same kids that are running into each other. And, and as much as they build that rivalry, there's also a camaraderie there too, because they just are competing against each other all the time. And, and I think uh, in this situation, and I hope anyway, that they appreciate, you know, that competitive spirit uh, that kind of travels, you know, through these small towns as they go against each other year in and year out. Yeah. And now, uh, Camas County will hit the road this Friday. They're uh, they're returning to the scene of the crime where they where they knocked off North Gem an undefeated North Gem team in the opening round of the playoffs last year. One of the bigger upsets I can remember in mm -hmm. some time in Idaho. And now now they're headed back for another regular season showdown. This this should be a great rematch. Oh, it should be. You know, and you got to think if you're Camas, you're walking in with a little bit of confidence too, because you know that this is a place that you can win. And, you know, in 2016, they traveled to North Gym and nobody gave them a chance to win that ball game and they pulled the upset. And then last year, I mean, I don't think anybody gave them a chance to score a point. 
and they won the game. So, you know, they've, they've got a little bit of swagger going in there, um, some confidence. And so this should be a really good game. The, the thing that's going to maybe tilt the scales one way or the other is going to be how Camus, you know, responds to the loss of Marcus Staley. Uh, that, are they going to be able to fill that void? You know, that, that's going to be kind of the turning point, I think, in the game and, you know, for their season moving forward. Definitely. And then they're they're going up against the team in contrasting styles where Rockland likes to spread it out and throw the ball deep down the field. North Gem is the exact opposite. They played the Malad JV last week in one of those like 11 man, eight man combo mm-hmm. deals. And they won 22 to nothing. North Gem did. They threw the ball, Scott, zero times in the win. Hmm. <laughs> so. How about that? So, I mean, the scattering report's quite simple. It's just going to be toughen up at the line of scrimmage and, and tackle the dude in front of you. Yeah, so you go from uh, one extreme, a pass-heavy team, to a team that literally threw zero passes in week one. So uh, good luck to the Mushers as they go out to play North Gym this weekend. Overall, Scott, it was a really nice weekend for Camas County's conference. If you look at the other members of their league, Castle Ford went and shut out Chalice Mackey. This is a co-op that was formed you know, right before the season started. They won that game 48 to nothing. Jamie Ramos, the new quarterback for Castle Ford, did really well, threw a couple touchdown passes. And then Dietrich, oh my goodness, Dietrich went over to Rimrock and opened up a can 70 to 14. I mean, this league, once again, even though Kerry left, this league looks awfully tough. Yeah, it certainly does. And this is one of the funnest leagues here in Southern Idaho, just watching these small schools just year in and year out battle for a state title because if you look at that small division of football the state champion uh, or the state title game i mean this conference right here has got a lot to say about who wins a state title and they are strong again this year yeah and and big shout out even to hagerman you know hagerman is playing a full varsity schedule for the first time in a couple of years they played they played last thursday against greenleaf friends and they won 60 to 6 okay Absolutely. And, you know, and that's not somebody you talk about anymore as Hagerman. You don't talk about him in basketball. You don't talk about him in football. You don't talk about him in chess. I mean, it's just one of those things that Hagerman has just kind of been off to the side. And so that win right there kind of, you know, gets a little shot in the arm to the town of Hagerman. That was good to see. Hagerman's got a strong history, I know. It wasn't that long ago that they were, you know, pretty good. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll, it'll be nice to see the Pirates as they uh, continue to move forward. Let, let's keep in the eight-man ranks, and let's talk about what happened at the 1-8-D1 level. Oakley, the two-time defending 1-8-D1 state champs, opened up at the Idaho eight-man classic last week, and they absolutely shellacked Prairie 56 to nothing. Uh, lather, rinse, repeat. Uh, Porter Pickett played on the offensive line for Oakley last year, and he was a really good defensive end. In fact, he made our IdahoSports.com top 10 list for the 10 best defensive linemen in the state. Well, he's now moved to quarterback, so it's like every lineman's dream, right? Moving from, uh, you know, offensive guard to quarterback, and you know, all, all he did was score four touchdowns in that win, so Oakley picking up right where they left off. Yeah, you don't see that transition very often, but, uh, you know, an interesting little point about this is that's the first time the Prairie's been mercy ruled since 05, I believe, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this is, and we talked about this last week about how Prairie's offense has just been a constant juggernaut year in and year out, scoring over 70 points 21 times and over 50 points like 5 billion times or whatever it was. Um, But for Oakley to come out and flex their muscle like they did, you know, it, it got you thinking, is Oakley 
back? Are they going to do this again? Or is Prairie taking a step back a little bit? Because I know they've got new stuff going on at Prairie. You know, so we'll find out because uh, they're headed to Kendrick. And that's yes. going to be a nice little litmus test. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a matchup Friday on IdahoSports.com. Oakley and Kendrick, the D1 and D2 state champions meeting in a neutral site game. They're going to play in Cambridge, home of the Tri-Valley Titans. And it sounds like I, I just heard before we hopped on, Scott, it sounds like that game, the kickoff is being pushed up to 4 o'clock. It was originally oh. scheduled for 6 it's going to be at four o'clock now because of, I think, uh, shortage of officials, it sounds like. So they're going to do that game in Cambridge and then probably go somewhere else to double up on Friday night. So, yeah, no kidding. Well, you know, and since you brought it up, that's something that maybe we, you know, can talk about in, a, in another broadcast is, is officiating and the lack of and how we can promote, you know, use this platform to kind of maybe draw some people into wanting to officiate a little bit more because, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, those things are going to happen, you know, game changes, game moving off of another date, whatever. We can get into that another time, but that might be something to talk about down the road. Yes, I agree. That's, that would be another topic that we could explore and, and get a lot of uh, feedback on. I think that would be really good because it is, it's, it's a big problem. And, um, everybody, it's another one of those elephants in the room that nobody really wants to address mm -hmm. too much. There's, you know, some surface level stuff we can do, but, there's a big root of the problem that I think uh, needs to be addressed. And we, anyways, yeah, you're right. We can talk about that at a different time. Um, Ke Kendrick and Oakley, though, uh, Friday night on IdahoSports.com. Back-to-back weeks that Hornet fans can tune in and 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 watch Oakley put on a good show. Um, other 1AD1 games of note, Murtaugh shut out Wilder 66 to nothing. So here come the Red Devils all of a sudden. Carry and their very first game at the D1 level went to Grace and lost seven to nothing. Scott Carry turned the ball over a bunch, which doesn't normally happen to them. So I'm sure that's going to be a renewed effort for Carry and for Grace. It's unusual to see an eight man team score seven points because uh, that means they kicked an extra point, which doesn't happen in the eight man game a lot. So seven nothing kind of an unusual score. Yeah, it truly is for a number of different reasons. And both of them you said it's just it's eight man football for starters. Um, you generally take the over on the gambling line because <laughs> there is never a shortage of points in action usually. Um, but yeah, you're right. They don't, they don't kick a lot of points, but for carry, you know, that could be exactly what they needed just to ground them a little bit. Not that they weren't grounded, but they're moving up. Right. And so maybe this is going to grab their attention. So, okay. Hey, this is something new. This is something we have to work at. If we want to get to that next level, we've dominated at this level for so long. We're going to step up. Yeah, we need to step up our game because maybe it is a little bit different than what we're used to. And, you know, Carrie, with their tradition, they'll figure it out and they'll be just fine. Yeah, and and for Carrie, um, it doesn't get any easier this week. They're going to host Butte County. And, mm -hmm. uh, boy, Butte County played Valley uh, this past week and won 62 to 12. Butte County was up 62 to nothing at halftime. They have a running back, Trayton Allen, who – uh, touched the ball four times, three of the four times he carried the ball. He was in the end zone and he ended up rushing for like 104 yards on four carries with three I, touchdowns. I say that's a pretty good average, uh, yeah. right there, which, which begs the question, why don't you give it to him eight times? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, so yeah, carry no, no rest for the weary. Um, they're going to host Butte County. That game can also be viewed on idahosports.com Friday night. So if you love eight-man football in the Magic Valley, uh, we, we got you set with a couple of really appetizing games. Oh, love eight-man football. That's one of my favorite to call. 
because there is something happening every single play. So yeah, I, mean, I love eight man football. The action is nonstop for sure. Also want to give a quick shout out to the Hanson Huskies. They went to water Springs and lost 42 to 40. They can kind of get overshadowed sometimes because of, you know, Camas County and Dietrich and <laughs> castle mm-hmm. Ford, but, but they're going to be a good team as well. And in water Springs fans, you know, I live in East Idaho where water Springs is and um, all their fans came away saying, yeah, Han- Hanson's pretty good. So, you know, keep an eye out for the Huskies this year as well. Again, that conference, you can't turn your back on anybody in that conference. That's right. Hanson will play Murtaugh this week in the annual uh, battle for the wagon wheel. Yes. Good, good rivalry matchup. So. <laughs> good good luck to both of the teams there. Let's let's move to the 11-man game. Uh, second week in a row, we can talk about the Minico Spartans. Uh, second week in a row, they were on the air at IdahoSports.com. Minico this time was at the Rocky Mountain Rumble. It's uh, an annual series uh, between essentially now Idaho schools versus Utah schools. It's really hard to get a win over the Utah schools because, you know, their first day of competition was August 12th. So when they were playing their first varsity game of the year in Utah, Idaho was what, two days into two a days. I mean, they have such a head jump. Minico was one of only two Idaho teams to actually win at the Rocky mountain rumble and they beat Beaver, Utah 24 to 14. So Minico a two and O start and, and looking good. Yeah, you know, and that kind of win right there is goes beyond the score because of everything you just said. I mean, you're playing your second game of the year against a team that's got multiple games underneath their belt. And we all know the competition that's down in Utah. And that's why they're, those teams are scheduled, you know, so you can kind of get that test early on what really good football is. And for Minico, it, it just kind of solidifies that these guys are off to the right start. You know, Minico is going to be a really good football team uh, this year. And I remember calling the Rumble games back in the day. Um, you have to ask Paul about this, but, man, we had teams out of Canada, uh, teams out of Vegas. And um, we, I mean, we had so much smack talking going on with the, uh, the, the fans in Canada. Um, that I mean, it was a constant email stream back and forth, and they were – they were giving us a hard time. We would read their email and then we would respond and then they'd send it. It was so much fun. Uh, the rumble and I, some of the fondest memories I ever had broadcasting, you know, 10 years ago or whatever it was have been at the rumble. So I'm really glad to see uh, that tradition continuing. Yeah. I mean, there were schools from Washington, California. I mean, it really was all over the the West. And, you know, I heard from a couple of fans that the last couple of years, it's turned into an Idaho versus Utah thing. And they really, the, the fans have kind of gotten turned off to it because it's so tilted in favor of the Utah schools now where they start so much earlier than Idaho. It's really hard for Idaho to be competitive. And so I think there's clamoring amongst the fans to maybe try and incorporate more states like it like it used to be back in the day so yeah and and that's a tough thing to do because what you're trying to do is you're trying to put good football together right so every game is competitive and what you're doing is you're you're making competitions across state lines and at one point across country lines and trying to find equity in there and see if these two teams would match up with one another because last thing you want is somebody to show up and it's 70 to nothing you know and that's no fun for anybody so that's that's a tough little thing to put together you know and then of course you got costs of everything post COVID has gone through the roof um and then you know the uh and nobody's got money in the schools anymore so i mean there's a lot of factors that play into this but and there was a time there that i thought that it was on the verge of maybe going away 
Um, and I'm glad to see that it's not. And then maybe as time goes on, we can get exactly what you're saying and not tilt it so much, get some of those people that you never heard of coming in and uh, it could, you know, be extra fun. Definitely. Minico, uh, second game in a row. JT Garza was named the IdahoSports.com player of the game. He is such a, a lethal threat out of the backfield in, in the receiving game. And Carson Wayman is really dialed in. I really do think Minico is more diverse offensively um, this year to the point where Japheth Bendeley doesn't have to carry the ball 25 times. You know, he can carry it 15 times and Joseph Terry can carry it 10 times and Garza can get 15 touches between rushes and, and receptions and it is it's a dynamic offense for for minico now i think i think they're in a much better spot than they were a year ago so it'll be fascinating to see them as they continue their trajectory they play another utah team this week they or maybe it's next week i'm trying to oh no no they do they go to ridgeline high in utah um this friday night so they they know that hey they're going to get another tough game and this is what we talked about right they want to challenge themselves with the schedule a little more this year yeah, they knew that they were going to have a good team coming back. They knew that they were going to have just about everybody return uh, from a team that got upset in the playoffs. You know, we talked about that previously, but, you know, the thing about what Minico's doing right now is they've got three weapons in the backfield, four if you count their quarterback, and they haven't been notoriously known for passing the football. But what they're doing is they're utilizing those running backs in the passing game and, and if you do that correctly, that is so hard to cover. And Minico's finding a way to get it done through a balanced attack. And so this will be really interesting, almost a new look in a way, if you're just so used to the ground and pound for Minico, um, that, uh, yeah, they, they, with this schedule, and if they can muscle through this and they can stay healthy, and with the chip on the shoulder they have coming out of last year, who, who knows how far they'll go. Yep. Uh, Twin Falls is always lurking. They beat Valley View 41-32 in a non-conference game. Um, mm-hmm. they, they got down 24-14 to 14 early and then kind of you know stemmed the tide and, and surged back. Austin Crum was 10-15 passing for 199 yards and two touchdowns. That's a pretty efficient day. And Wyatt uh, Solosabal, 93 yards and two touchdowns rushing on just 10 carries. So he averaged almost 10 yards a pop as well. So this is a Twin Falls offense that it could be big play. We did, of course, have one conference game. Uh, we talked about this uh, week one conference battle between Mountain Home and Burley. Last year, Mountain Home squeaked out a, a narrow win. Burley um, wanted to make sure that didn't happen again this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Burley put up a 62-39 to 39 win. That new Bobcat offense looks, uh, looks legit. Oh, yeah. There, there is no question about it. This Bobcat offense with their speed is going to put up a lot of points. And so you are going to see a lot of high scoring games uh, when it comes to Burley. It's just brand new. And, and, and Gatlin Bear didn't even play that game, you know? And so imagine putting his speed out onto the field. Uh, that Burley offense is going to be something to reckon with. And, and uh, you know, for the fans in Burley, they're going to have something to get excited about and, and mark the calendar. If things kind of develop the way that they're going, that Burley Minico game, you know, who over the years, has been really lopsided might be an actual heavyweight fight. We'll see. We'll see how Burley matures and, and see how Minico develops. So that interesting down the road. For sure. They, uh, the river, uh, the rivalry on the river, uh, I think they call it now they play for a, for an ore, you know, a rivalry or uh, I, bu- I believe it's been early two thousands since the last time Burley beat Minico. It's been a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. So 
we'll see if they can keep it up. Yep. Uh, Burley this week will host Valley View. So a Valley View team that lost the Twin Falls in a shootout, a mm-hmm. Burley team that won, it, won in pretty high fashion. Uh, Burley will host Valley View. That game can be viewed on idahosports.com. So uh, all the Bobcat fans and maybe some Valley View fans can tune yeah. in and uh, catch the Bobcats in a non-conference battle. Uh, Gooding went to Jerome last week and lost 26-7. to uh, we, we know Jerome's kind of rebuilding a little bit uh, a lot of younger players ha- having some impact for jerome mm-hmm. and now the tigers turn around and play a kimberly team that looked pretty pretty awesome um, that game will be on idahosports.com as uh, jerome is at kimberly this week kimberly beat snake river 34 to 14 and you might think, ah, oh, 20 points, yeah, whatever. But but consider this, Snake River was a top-five team in both the coaches and media polls. And then uh, look at the offensive production yes. from the Bulldogs, Scott. This was crazy. Yeah, 560 yards of total offense, but in a balanced attack, over 300 passing, over 200 rushing. I mean, Kimberly still has some weapons, and they still got some dudes who can play. You know, And that's a huge win right out of the gate against a ranked Snake River team. Uh, but to do it in the fashion that they did, they could run it, they could pass it. They did it on defense as well. So, you know, good for Kimberly. Yeah. New head coach in uh, Joe Dill and um, some new players in there as well. I, th- I think they're motivated to show that, um, Hey, last year was kind of a fluke. They, they had a lot of injuries last year and, and didn't make the they playoffs did. after they were favored to win the league. And um, I wouldn't want to play Kimberly this year. I think they're a very motivated team for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, you know, and 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 that's this is the staple of Kimberly to get out, play fast, put points on the board, but more importantly, you know, push that ball up and down the field. That's what they've done all those years, and uh, it was nice to see them continue that this year. So, you know, in the past in that conference right there, I mean, it's uh, Filer, Buell, Kimberly, Gooding, right, and. You know, I got to see Gooding last week. They're they're not as explosive as they have because I mean they lost playmakers. I mean they're basically just trying to refill the cupboard. Um, but they had a couple of standout players. Gooding did, and what they did is they were able to wear you down a little and and show a little bit of toughness. Gooding is always one of those teams that just has dudes up front, some big guys that it just they'll wear on you after a while. And and I saw them kind of do that a little um, against Jerome last week. So, you know, Gooding and their physicality is what's going to keep them around. And Kimberly and their speed and their big playmaking ability, well, guess what? It's the same thing it's always been, isn't it? The toughness of Gooding, the speed and quickness of Kimberly. Um, So, I mean, that could shape up to be a good conference. And then, you know, you've got Buell, you know, who's revigorated under Alan Reynolds in his second year. So that conference is getting better every year. Yeah, Buell went to Weezer in another game that was on IdahoSports.com and lost 24 to nothing. But considering they were playing the defending 3A champs and considering how lopsided the playoff game was between those two teams last year, they, they've closed the gap with Weezer. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for Buell for sure. Um, Buell will host Mountain Home this week. And we're, we're going to find out where Gooding sits real quick, Scott, because they go play Homedale this week. Good luck. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, get, get those out of the way early, you know, but uh, that's going to be a tough one. Real tough. Definitely. And then quick shout out to the two A schools in uh the Magic Valley. Both both won last week. Uh Declo uh season opener beat Nampa Christian. They were the district three champs last year. They won pretty easily, 39 to 7. And we talked about Wendell last week, Scott, and what coach John Helmendaller is doing yeah. with the Trojans. They go and shut out 
West Jefferson, which was a playoff team a year ago, and they shut him out 21-0. Yeah, don't don't turn your back on Wendell. I mean, we talked about how Coach Helmendaller is just dialed in and, and the things that he's doing over there, and the kids are responding, and there's, you know, next thing you know, there's a culture of football going on over there. You know, so, that, I mean, that's exciting to see. And, uh, man, what another nice win. Or when, a third win for them. Even though they lost the first week, they hung around. Now they got it together and they got the win. So, I mean, two good weekends of football in a row uh, for Wendell to open the season. Yeah, and Wendell travels to Marcin this week. Marcin is 1-0. They're led by former Marcin great, former Boise State and Chicago Bears linebacker Shea McClellan. He got a win in his debut as as a head coach uh, for Marcin. So that's kind of an interesting storyline game as well good luck to the trojans as they go play marcine um raft river will uh, open this week at Kamii in an eight-man game that should be pretty good and lighthouse christian will also make their season debut this week they will host that grace team that just beat carry uh seven to nothing so a couple of teams making late debuts but um overall the action this week promises to be pretty entertaining and we got a lot of magic valley games on idahosports.com you can uh, Click the game streams tab on the homepage to see specifically which games we will be broadcasting. Um, let's let's shift to uh, from football to football, the authentic football, right? It's uh, we're going to talk a little soccer, Scott. No surprises that Sun Valley Community School, the Cutthroats, have gotten off to a great start. Um, anytime they make noise in non-conference is when I really perk up and pay attention because it's hard to gauge because the conference they play in is so big. They don't get a lot of non-conference opportunities. So anytime Sun Valley does something out of league, uh, I, I kind of take notice. Yeah, no question, because you look at the, the, the cutthroats and the, their record speaks for themselves, you know, for itself. But they still sometimes don't really get an accurate depiction of how good they are because of what you just said. And then when they step out and they go places like Weezer that we're going to talk about here in a minute, it kind of solidifies this cutthroat program in soccer is legit. Yeah. So the past couple of years, uh, especially on the boys side, Weezer and Sun Valley have gotten to know each other. There's kind of a mutual respect between the two programs. It's really stemmed on the boys side, but they've made it a boys girls kind of uh, regular series with the Wolverines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so this past weekend they went up. Uh, the boys went to play at Weezer, and that's the first time they played really at Weezer, um, I believe, since like the late '90s. But it doesn't mean they haven't played Weezer before because they certainly did. Uh, most recently in the 2020 state title game in Post Falls, where they won two to nothing, and they beat them in 2019 as well, uh, six zip. So they are very familiar with each other, but the community school definitely is holding the advantage. And uh, boy, what a test that they've got. And and this past game uh, that the Cutthroats played, they only had 12 varsity players suited up. They were missing some starters uh, due to injuries and not having enough practices and and whatever the reason was. But uh, they were still able to, you know, shorthanded team uh, get the win. And uh, man, that was that was really, really good to see for the Cutthroats get that huge win against Weezer. And the girls uh, also played Weezer and and made it a, a clean sweep. The cut, lady cutthroats. They did. They won three to nothing behind three goals from Mia Hansmeyer, and um, obviously the player of the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean that was great for them. Uh, ladies won three zip. The, the guys won uh, two to one. I believe was their score, and uh, 
now the Cutthroats are one and zero. The boys, or excuse me, they're not one and zero. They are three and zero, right? Four and zero. Four and zero. Sorry, they're four and zero. Um, but they're getting some good standout play, and they're playing some really good defense. I mean, you're playing against these teams. You're holding one goal to Weezer. Uh, you beat Filer nine to nothing. Uh, probably on the 29th. You know, it's just one of those teams that is just really good on both sides of the uh, both sides of the ball. I'm not sure what the terminal at the pitch. Yeah, the, the pitch. The pitch. Yeah. Okay. So I'll get my soccer lingo down. I watched Ted Lasso. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right in your wheelhouse, no doubt. Oh, isn't it? Yeah, totally <laughs> in my wheelhouse. Um, and and again, as a reminder for Sun Valley last year at state, it was it was like a, a reversal of roles where the boys team was pretty dominant in the regular season, came in as the number one seed according to the Max Preps rankings, had to play the eight seed Kimberly, a conference rival, and they lost one nothing right away. And just like that, Sun Valley's chances at state on the boys' side were extinguished. They ended up getting to the consolation where they lose to American Falls in, in penalty kicks. And then it was the opposite for the girls. The girls were good, but didn't win the league in the regular season. Kimberly was the regular season champ. And they got the three. Kimberly got the three seeded state. Sun Valley was the six seed, and the Sun Valley girls knock out Kimberly in overtime, two to one. And and they use that and get all the way to the championship. So the sixth seeded Lady Cutthroats got all the way to the title match last year, where they lost to a really dominant Fruitland team only by one, four to three. So it's just kind of it was always interesting to me, to me how the teams kind of reverse roles when it got to state last year. Yeah, for sure. And then for the boys this year, I mean, they are going to be solid. They've got eleven seniors that are returning, uh, only losing two players to graduation from last year. You know, so this is a good team last year. This is going to be a really good team this year that's going to be in the mix at the very end. Yeah, and if you think they're um, uh, motivated and hungry, no doubt about it, um, they want Kimberly. They want a piece of Kimberly right after last year at State. They will play. They will play Kimberly Thursday, September 8th. So uh, maybe we can talk about that match in a couple of weeks here on sure. the uh, Magic Valley Prepcast. Uh, all right, before we duck out of here, Scott, one of the big uh, volleyball tournaments of the year is coming up this weekend in Pocatello, the annual Peg Peterson Invite in Highland. Uh, there's a lot of Magic Valley schools that are going to be coming over and competing. Kind of an interesting thing this year, Scott, where the results of the uh, regular season tournaments aren't going to count towards the official standings or the max preps rankings. There was a lot of confusion last year over which matches do we count? Which ones don't we? And I guess the ITSA just said, none of them count. And that's going to be the easiest way to deal with it. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it does get a little tricky because you go to these tournaments to try new things, maybe experiment with different lineups, different, you know, uh, different attacks that you want to implement throughout the course of the season. And so I agree with this. I mean, you just play tournaments, you play them differently than you would like regular season matches. So, I mean, I agree that they shouldn't count. And you go and you're going to experiment with different lineups and you're going to try different things in a game setting. And you don't want to be held accountable on your max preps ranking for it. But, you know, these are the tournaments that you go get better at. And, um, and, and that's what it's designed to do. And you're going to see different competition you know, than you normally see in the regular season. And this is one of the biggest volleyball tournaments in the state, if not the biggest. And so, yeah, we've got a few Magic Valley schools descending in Pocatello uh, to do this. And it should be some good volleyball. So if you're in the area, man, you've got two solid days of volleyball. Go check it out. 
And it got so big now that they have it at multiple venues. Highland High School has some action, but then they use the Mountain View Event Center um, as well, which is a big, huge facility. They can play up to like four matches at a time in there as well. So um, the the only problem I see anticipate with the max preps in the, the tournaments is like if you play an out-of-state team. Like there was a lot of Idaho schools that went down and played in Utah. Well, nobody told the Utah schools those aren't supposed to count. So the Utah schools <laughs> report them and then the Idaho schools get dinged. So there's going to have to be some mm-hmm. finagling, I think, but we'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's the, there's another wrinkle in the max preps is, I mean, how do you deal with those kinds of things? And, and it, it does kind of end up in whispers in the hallways about scheduling and, and stuff like that. Well, who's going to be at the tournament? Who do we play? Who do we open with? You know, those kinds of things, because, Ultimately, you don't want your ranking hurt. And, you know, and again, we could talk about max preps every week. Um, But, yeah, there's there's always going to be something that turns up. And and there you go. There's another one. Definitely. So we'll keep an eye out on on Magic Valley volleyball teams. I will say really quick, uh, Filer went over to the new Plymouth Invitational this past weekend and won. Now, none of those will count for anything except the fact that, hey, they went over and beat some pretty good teams. And hey, yeah. guess what? Filer, breaking news, Filer's good in volleyball again. So <laughs> Shocker. Shocker. <laughs> good for Filer, though. It's good to see them continue to battle and be be really good in that program. And they're solid. Definitely. All right. Well, speaking of solid, another solid show delivered from Scott Burton here on the Magic Valley Prepcast. Just trying to be loved, Brandon. That's all. Just want to yeah. be loved. Well, we'll we'll come on back next week and see uh, see what kind of uh, feedback and response we get, and uh, maybe we'll be less popular this week. <laughs> I'm all right with that. <laughs> for sure. All right. Thanks for tuning into the Magic Valley Prepcast for Scott Burton. I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.